0: Today on Erotic Awakening, Leather Archives and Museum, Surrendered and Voices.
1: Welcome to Erotic Awakening with Dan and Dawn, a weekly view of all things erotic. From BDSM to erotic spirituality, from swinging as a lifestyle to simply fun kink. Each week we bring you a diverse offering of erotic and alternative lifestyles in its many forms. This podcast includes frank discussions of highly sexual topics. This podcast is intended for consenting adults over the age of 18. If you are offended by this type of content, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hi,
2: Dan. Good going. Oh, so, today we have some uh, extra stuff.
0: Extra stuff? That extra sounds interesting.
2: Stuff. Yep, extra stuff added into the podcast. So
0: Pray tell, what extra stuff could that be? <laughs> well, we do have the Kinky Book Club with Lady Di. Yep, finally got that going. And our first book review is coming up in this show. What is the, what is the book that she's doing? It is The Surrender by Tony Bentley. You've been reading that lately. Matter of fact, ever since you came back from recording the interview or the uh, book review, you brought that book and yep. have been reading it since then.
2: Yeah, I have borrowed the book, and it's a small book, but uh, I just read a little bit at a time. So enjoying it. Mm, so far, so good. But uh, we'll hear what Lady Di has to say on it. <laughs> Fair
0: enough. Let's see. What do we have coming up? We have coming up a. Uh, I think we have a road trip not too long away. Yeah, a few weeks away, so we've got a road trip to St. Louis. Beat me in St. Louis. That'll be our first time at that event. We've certainly heard about it a lot, and not too yeah. long ago, someone suggested, how come you guys never present there? So we didn't have a good answer, so we wrote him and said, hey, can we come out and present there? And so, and the schedule's come out, and it's looking pretty good. It's some pretty interesting stuff. One of the drawbacks of being a presenter is I'm looking at the schedule and saying, oh, that looks like a great class. I want to go to that one. I want to go to that one. And realizing that you've actually got to teach a class at that same time, so you can't actually go. So, yeah, but
2: it'll be okay. We'll have our classes and a lot of fun for the event.
0: I'm thinking about sneaking a video, an audio recorder into the class so I can record <laughs> it and listen to it later, but
2: probably a poor idea.
0: Yeah, So, but we do have some interviews lined up for St. Louis. We so. do indeed. Uh, Lee Harrington... Um, one of my, one of the first people that we met when we got started in the lifestyle and one of my favorite people uh, to sit down and chat with. Uh, so looking forward to that one. Mm-hmm. And a couple other the presenters that are coming out there as well. So you'll hear those on future shows.
2: Well, and in the meantime, if you want
0: to contact us. If you want to contact us, there's just every way imaginable. You can get a hold of us. And if you head over to our website, which is bluecatservices.org, dot and head over to the Erotic Awakening podcast tab. You'll find all kinds of ways to contact us: contact form, email, telephone. Does it have our FetLife group
2: listed? It Maybe does. It does. It, it does. Excited.
0: Erotic Awakening, the Fet Life group. So,
2: and Twitter. Um, just look for Dan and Dawn at Twitter dot com. You'll Twitter dot com slash Dan and Dawn. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So we decided to make it easy. Sometimes it's hard to find presenters and their contact
0: information. One of the reasons to contact us is maybe you want to get on the show. Are you an author who just had a book published? Or maybe you've got an event coming up? Um, Or maybe some other reason. If you'd like some time on the show, feel free to use that contact form get a hold of us. Let's see what we can do. So our our interview today, and actually we're going to take a, um, do something a little bit different. We were at the uh, Winter Wickedness event, as we mentioned, and had, had the opportunity to talk to a few of the people that were attending the event. And uh, normally, when we do interviews, we do interviews with uh, Jay Wiseman and Mistress Joanne, people that you're familiar with, and really what makes up these events are the people that are attending right just the the guy that's plunking down 50 bucks and wants to go to some classes or or the couple that's shown up to um you know spend a little time in the dungeon for the first time and all that kind of stuff and i decided you know i'm just grabbed this little digital recorder and ran around and, Found some of those people. I Asked them if we could ask them a couple of questions real quick. So you're going to hear some of that as well. Really interesting perspectives that we got from that. Um, and of course, as well, though, you'll be hearing the Leather Archives and Museums interview we did. And if, if you're not familiar with the Leather Archives and Museum, I, I won't spend a lot of time telling you about it now because you're going to hear it all in the in the interview. But it's a really wonderful effort put together by some people to substantiate who we are I guess for lack of a better term
2: so well they're collecting everything that they can collect to um, show the history of what it is that we do so and lots of great stuff
0: So, we're sitting here with Andrea and Jeffrey from the Leather Archive and Museum. And uh, I'd like to start off by asking what is a leather archive and museum?
3: Well, the Leather Archives and Museum is uh, dedicated to the compilation, preservation, and maintenance of the leather lifestyle um, and also other related lifestyles, which include but are not limited to the gay and lesbian communities, the history, archives, and memorabilia for historical and research purposes. So basically, we are preserving the leather and fetish lifestyle documents, items, history um, for the people yet to come. Um, we have a library in the archives where various people can come and study and do research. And it's a, we're known globally. We're located in Chicago, but we serve the world. So we get documents and information about various organizations, and we also get items from places all over the world.
0: So is it a literal structure? Or do you have an it actual building? sure is. Building We've we can... got a literal
3: building that you can come and see.
0: Okay, so it literally is a museum.
3: Yes, it is. And in addition to the museum, that we have in Chicago, we do have a road show. We have several displays that, depending on the show that we're going to, the event that it is, um, we'll choose which display to bring with us. And staff and or volunteers will go on these road shows and um, represent the archives. Okay,
2: so, and how long have you been doing this?
3: Me personally? Me personally. Um, I've vol- been about two and a half years. Two and a half years, nice.
4: What about you, Jeffrey? What do you do for the uh, the Leather Archiving Museum? I am the Director of Operations. Um, basically, I maintain the building, I maintain the website, um, I help catalog some of the collections that come in. I'm kind of the guy that does everything that nobody else wants to do. <laughs> um, I've been with the archives for about five years now.
0: How'd you get started?
4: Uh, my partner, Rick, who is the executive director of the museum, uh, got the job offer after Joseph Bean retired, okay. and um, I had my own home improvement business, and uh, they asked me to come in and do some work on the museum, and then kind of kept going after that, and I kept doing more work, and then I finally just started working there full-time. So.
0: Okay. You, you mentioned Joseph Bean. He's certainly one of the, uh, the well-known members of the leather community, one of the... Uh, I mean, even go as far to say, at least in the last uh, many years, one well, of the founders of the, what the current leather community looks like. Mm-hmm. Did he Was he involved in the beginning of the He was not or
4: involved or? in the direct beginning of the museum. Uh, the museum was founded by Tony de and Chuck Renslow. Uh, Josephine worked for Tony de Blas on Drummer Magazine. So he was kind of pulled in to be executive director uh, around the same time that Tony de Blas had passed away.
0: Okay. So, Andrea, how did you get involved? I came to see the museum.
3: I thought it was a really cool thing. I thought that it was doing important work, and I started to volunteer. And a few months ago, they hired me temporarily, and a few days ago, I was offered a permanent job as a director of development. Oh, wow. And, yeah, it's very exciting. So my job is to raise money for the museum, and right now is our membership drive season, so we're trying to get people to join and support us so that we can continue to do the important work that we're doing.
2: Now, if someone wants to join, how would they go about doing
3: If that? someone wants to join, they can go to our website, which is www.leatherarchives.org, um, and there's a link for membership. They can also mail in a check. Um,
4: They can call us at 773-761-9200. We can do it over the phone. Um, You can go to our eBay site, uh, which uh, the seller name is L-A-A-N-D-M, and you can sign up for membership there. Um, Lots of methods. Lots of different ways, yeah. We try to make it as easy as possible.
0: Very cool. Very cool. How do you, why did you, is this a passion for you then? I, and I guess for both of you, do you consider this a passion? Is it just a job? Do you like museums and it just happens to be leather-based? I think
3: part of it for me was that when I first started to go there, just as a person visiting, um, it seemed to be very gay male-oriented originally. And I thought, fetish is not a gay male and there needs to be some changes and we also need to let the public know or people who are into fetishism, BDSM, kink, whatever you want to call it because this is not a gay male museum this is a museum for anybody who is into this type of lifestyle and I thought that it was important to do some work there and help educate
0: people
4: very cool, very cool. Uh, for me, it's more of an obsession. Um, it's I basically live the Leather Archives and Museum. I'm into the leather scene 24-7. Um, it didn't start out that way. It started out that way as you know, kind of volunteering and helping out a little bit. But when Joseph, being retired and my partner, took over, we actually went down to Maui to visit Joseph. And if you've ever actually talked to Joseph and heard his passion for the archives and for what he does you know on a personal level as opposed to you know professional going to the museum and interviewing him is one thing but going and sitting in his living room talking about the archives is another thing
0: okay and
4: uh, another thing that makes me so passionate about it is Chuck Renslow um, he is very um, he's just a great guy people take him for granted people think that oh you know he makes a lot of money off the museum he doesn't if it wasn't for the if it wasn't for Chuck Renslow the museum wouldn't exist and uh, i owe a lot to him for giving me a chance to work there and do basically whatever I want to make the museum better. All right, cool. And it's
3: exciting, too. It's exciting to know that the work that we're doing is is helping to preserve history. You know, that, that 100 years from now, people are going to be reading about the lifestyle because of the work that we have done now.
0: If we went to... Let's say, for example, if we were not particularly engaged in the leather lifestyle, per se, maybe we're at least familiar with the lifestyle, we stumble across the museum. What would we find in there? Would we see any people that, oh, my, I can't believe that person's associated with this? Or
4: You might see that. Um, <laughs> we actually get a lot of tourists. We have a lot of Asian tourists, which kind of surprises us as well. But um, even the people in the neighborhood that stumble upon us and say, oh, I had no idea this was here. But you know, you kind of think that oh, there's a lot of people behind closed doors that do a little slap and tickle, and you know, maybe spanking, or you know, have a dirty book or a dirty magazine in their bedroom, and you know, they can kind of associate with that and, and realize that you know, that we're an actual museum, and it's not just someone's basement full of garbage and. You know, people are surprised when they come to the museum and see the exhibits that we have and see the the artifacts and, uh, you know, the $1,000 stainless steel chastity belt that's in the dungeon exhibit, which, you know, was a one-of-a-kind and made in Germany, and people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe someone wears something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. What, other ki- what other kind of things would we find in there? we find a chastity belt.
4: Oh, you'd find a spanking bench from Galleria Domain in Chicago. Um a sling, one of the first slings that was made per, uh, commercially and sold. Uh, someone had uh, refurbished it and kind of you know, repaired it. And, mm-hmm. um, we have artwork from artists all over the world. Um, a leather history timeline that kind of gives the history all the way back from you know before Christ, I guess, is how they, yes. and then all the way up to present day and. Um, it's kind of hard to describe. We have um, The main reason the museum was started was Chuck okay. Renslow's partner Etienne, which is a fairly famous gay artist. Um, kind of like Tom of Finland, he does the same type of drawings mm-hmm. and paintings. Uh, no other museum in the world wanted his artwork, which uh, in the gay community at that time, back in the 50s and 60s, was very popular and very well-known. Uh, nobody would take it, and nobody that said they would take it promised Chuck that they wouldn't sell it for a profit. Mm. Uh, so Chuck kinda talked to some people and, you know, talked to the Tama Finland Foundation and said, you know, why did you start Tama Finland Foundation to preserve his work? And uh, he just decided to start his own museum and as opposed to just making it up all about Etienne, he made it about the fetish leather lifestyle.
2: Okay. Nice. okay. nice. So what do you see in the future for the museum? Anything in the works or any plans?
3: Well, we we have a lot of ideas. Um, Mm -hmm. We would like to bring the museum to other places in the world Um, at some point when we have lots and lots of members who can help (laughs) support us. You know, we would like to, to bring a display to a museum in... Germany, or in London, or in Sydney, um, for six months. We'd like to, or send displays to various museums around the world. That you know, we can loan this display out to you for such and such a time, and maybe receive displays from other museums that we could have at the Leather Archives for a while for people here to see.
4: Another project we're working on is uh, digitizing uh, VHS tapes, transferring VHS to DVD. At this point. Um, we actually have two beta machines, and we have a lot of beta tapes that need wow. to be transferred. And some of these tapes are gone. You know, it, once a, a VHS or beta tape disappears or is destroyed, that's the end of it. And you know, people aren't thinking, "Oh, I need to keep this for a future reference or for future generations." But we're trying to do that, and that takes money and it takes manpower. Very cool. A lot of time. A lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> How
0: many people are involved? either volunteers or direct volunteers are actually doing uh, working with the museum directly or uh, employees?
4: We have three full-time staff members. We have a board of directors of 10, I believe, right now, uh, and they are from all over the country. And then we have about 20 to 30 regular volunteers that have wow. a specific project that they come in and work on, like uh, one of our, uh, regular volunteers kind of helped put a, put together the traveling exhibit that we have here at, uh, Winter Wickedness, and, uh, you know, he's all about the Ben Franklin connection, and, you know, he's really into the Betty Page thing right now because she recently passed away, sure. and, um, he likes to do research, where we have another person that likes to catalog magazines, or another person that likes to catalog the video collection, and, um. So, yeah, about 25
3: to 30. When I first started volunteering there, I was given the job of opening up the envelopes and the packages that were sent to us from all over the world. And that was always very exciting to see, you know, oh, what's in here. That's like Christmas and every day. That's exactly how it felt. Wow. You know, it, it didn't have to be for me personally, but right. to open up something and see, wow, this vest that some famous title winner wore or or um, the papers from a defunct organization that existed 40 years ago. It's really exciting. Wow, very cool.
4: And we actually do receive a donation. If you average it out, we receive a donation of an item or items every single day. So we do actually open a box every single day.
3: (laughs) That'd be a nice job to have. I we move to Chicago. We can always use volunteers. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, the other thing to know is that if you aren't in Chicago, there are always other things that can be done that you can volunteer to do from wherever it is that you live.
0: Right. Right. So tell us again what was the website where we can find more information or find out about volunteering?
3: www.leatherarchives.org. Okay,
0: great. Jeffrey, Andrea, thank you both very much for talking with us today. Thank you. Thank you.
5: Really, you have to thank.
1: Hello and welcome to the uh, Kinky Book Review section of Erotic Awakening with Dan and Dawn. This is your Kinky Book host, um, Lady Di. And today for our very first um, Kinky Book Club or Kinky Book Review selection on the podcast, we're going to be talking about um, The Surrender by Tony Bentley, which was originally published in uh, 2005 by Reagan Books. Um, in hardcover and is now of course available um, in paperback Um, i'm hoping it's still in print god forgive me if it's if it's actually out of print Um, i did not check that before before today's cast Um, but even if it's out of print you can still find it at um, amazon.com or powells.com or really any major online book retailer that deals with Um, with out-of-print books Um, it's a pretty slim volume um, not even uh, not even 200 pages in hardcover I think we're I think we're at uh, oh I'm wrong just just over 200 pages in in hardcover Um, and and pretty brief Um, it is an erotic memoir and it, it really does pack a you know pretty big wallop for being such a small work Um, for even the most seasoned smut reader (laughs) this book is at times excruciatingly personal extremely graphic um, and it's it's basically a treatise into the joys of of anal heterosexual sex Um, it's it's a scintillating book it's definitely introspective Um, at times it borders on being overly dramatic at least that was that was my impression. Being, you know, the drama queen myself, that's uh, that's quite a statement for me to make. Um, but, you know, I will say that I appreciated, you know, Tony Bentley's, you know, significant openness um, with disclosing, you know, the very intimate uh, details of her own personal sex life and her odyssey into the world of uh, of anal sex. But there were times I felt like I was reading you know the high school diary of an oversexed teenager who was too precocious for her own good and um you know with all the naivete that that implies um tony bentley is a former dancer with the new york city ballet and she sheds almost as much insight into her views regarding gender roles and body image as she does into the joys and epiphanies experienced only through in her words and i quote the final paradox of god's paradoxical machinations my very own back door to heaven Um, which i think is a pretty wonderful way to describe an entire memoir about anal sex Um, i discussed this book last year with a group of kinksters uh, right here in central ohio um, as part of a kinky book group and as i delved into the pages of bentley's memoir I, you know, it was pretty natural for me to, to formulate a book, book group discussion type list in my head, um, So the the questions that I'm kind of posing to everybody today are are sort of for reflection and rumination, but they were originally used as lead-offs for a group discussion. So, you know, whether you want to take these these questions and sort of, you know, mull them over with yourself or talk to other people who, you know, maybe form your own book group, get three or four of you together, you know, get some copies of the book, they're pretty cheap on Amazon, and uh, just go ahead and discuss because I do think that she brings up a lot of really wonderful points in this book. Um, that, uh, you know, kinky people, vanilla people, anyone really looking to explore their sexuality um, can benefit from. So, um, you know, I'll just kind of, I'll just kind of start with that, and we'll see, you know, where where that goes. Um, the first thing that I kind of wanted to talk about is that the author describes her sexual journey as a healing path from old pain brought on by her relationship with this, with her father. Um, in many instances in the book, she talks about her, you know, this being sort of a liberation of, um, the best parts of herself. And, um, so it's really a pretty amazing book. Um, the first thing she says about this is is being sodomized now by choice reconciles this injury with a scenario of a dominant male and the obedient little girl. Instead of rejection and criticism, I am told, good girl, good girl. The nastier I am and the better I suck his cock, the better I am until I'm the goodest little girl in the world. I am finally love. The relief it brings me is profound. So. You know, I thought this was kind of a a sort of a somewhat of a cliche statement, but I I really thought that it was important to continue to talk about this um, and and what she brings up in the book. Um, The second thing I just kind of wanted to hit on real quick is there's a lot of themes in the book about uh, domination and submission, although the book is not not explicitly about S&M um at one point she states that recipient sodomy is a perfectionist dream and a masochist's nirvana um and that domination which she defines as total and complete domination of my being that is where i find freedom and you know it kind of made, made me thinking well what about tops or dominants who like you know being the recipients of anal sex what about bottoms or submissives who like you know doing the fucking does this reversal upset the traditional ds paradigm Is it just another facet of the complexity of, you know, human sexuality and and what it is that kinky people do? So I thought that would be another really great topic for discussion. The author identifies as a heterosexual woman, even though she is initially introduced to sort of the main man in the the book, um, who she simply refers to as a man, (laughs) through an ongoing triadic relationship with him and another woman. And it was interesting to me how much that seemed to inform how bentley described the act of anal sex between a man and a woman you know i kept asking myself is her viewpoint heterosexist um she said something about realigning the balance for a woman with too much power and a man with too little and i i think that for for her she sees it as this inherently um you know female submissive recipient male dominant active act and so i I kind of wondered what you know gay men reading this book or lesbian women um you know reading this might think about how she how she talks about that um while clearly the focus of bentley's book is about writing about the glory of anal sex and the freedom of surrender it can bring she also seems to take the tone that vaginal penetration is sort of less than or unequal to anal sex um, which i thought was an interesting point one that i think might be great for discussion um, she uh she also makes a profound statement again regarding ds um after she has abandoned her relationship with a man that ends um kind of a th- two-thirds of the way through the book and she states, um, no longer slave, I was his mistress. And she calls being a mistress, the only refuge for a submissive with no master. And I just thought that that was an incredibly profound statement. Our discussion group here, we probably talked about that for most of the, most of the night. Um, and it really is, you know, just a fabulous way to, uh, to start talking about DS within the book. But the prime thing that I just kind of want to hit on real quick here before we wrap up is that the connection between the search for God and unbridled sexuality is probably the key theme of the surrender. Um, as you're reading the book, think about, you know, do you think her, her overall analysis that walking on the sexual edge can bring one closer to divinity is valid? You know, do your own experiences in your sexual and erotic awakening... Um, do you think they have a spiritual component? If so, you know, how how does that work? How does that manifest? Um, I think Bentley, you know, didn't set out to write a book that, that's about God through her ass, but she says numerous times, you know, that's kind of how she gets there, God through her ass. So, you know, overall, um, certainly wasn't something I originally would have found myself reading and, and sticking into my kinky library, but as I reread it again, Um, I really do find a lot of, a lot of openness and, and just vulnerability in the way that she writes. So, um, once again, The Surrender, Tony Bentley, uh, check it out. It's a fabulous read.
0: And your name is? Kashmira. Is this your first uh, big kinky event like this? No, I've been to several. Been to several. What keeps you coming back?
1: Uh, I really like it. Each and every time it gets better and bigger, and I meet a lot of
4: different people. I've been in the scene for quite a while now, and it's just great to see old friends and new friends and everything in between.
0: Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Um, So...
5: Have you been to some classes already for this week? I have been to three classes today. Oh, really? What have yes. you been to? Uh, I went to the How to Foil the Escape Artist, okay. um, the Predicament Bondage, and then the um, BDSM and Anal Play class.
0: Okay. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Is the reason you come to these events primarily for the classes?
5: Um, I would say it's about half and half the classes and the community. Uh, I really love the energy of an event with this many people who are so excited about what they're doing mm-hmm. and being able to teach it to other people and then being able to do it with other people. And it's just an incredible experience that can't really be reproduced anywhere else.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Have you been to a lot
5: of events? Um, I have not, actually. I would say this is probably maybe my fifth or sixth event of this size. And this one, Winter Wickedness, is the largest in terms of attendees that I've driven okay. to. Okay.
0: Um, have you uh, – do you – visit with the vendors, or do you go to the dungeon part? Is that part of your experience as well? Or um,
5: I stopped in the vendor's room. I haven't bought anything yet, um, but it's very tempting. Um, and definitely um, going to the dungeon for the play parties is... It's almost more fun to just be in there and, and get be privileged to watch everything that everybody else is doing. Things that I either don't know how to do or am a little too good? timid or physically unable to do and again like i said just the energy that happens in a play party with that many people is unbelievable unbelievable there's nothing like it anywhere else
0: very cool, very yeah. cool. thank you yeah you're welcome i'm gonna come over next to you so we can point this one way and yeah, pretty much just the same sort of stuff how's it going oh i just to listen sorry oh no no that's fine that's fine
3: one of them <laughs> i don't know I went to listen, and he went
0: away. The the question so far at this event is, where's Theo? I don't know what that means. (laughs) I'm fairly new to the scene. Um, Would you like to introduce yourself? Jen. Hi, Jen. That works. Nice to meet you. Anybody else? Carmina. Carmina. Nice to meet you. Drake. Drake? Recon. Recon. Is this your guys' first event out here? No. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Some (laughs) of yes, some no. no's. No, Okay. uh,
5: I uh like, like to think that I'm responsible for these three here coming because I did forward
1: them the email about it and they've been interested in Last year. for so, a while. Yeah. Last
0: year. So <laughs> how is it so what brought you to the not just what brought you here, but what says I need my friends, I want my friends to experience it. What do you want your friends to get out of this? Oh, um see, because I'm gonna edit I'm gonna edit that 30. question to say. What do you want your friends to get out of this? Why did you invite your friends?
5: Pain. <laughs>
0: Because you want to beat up your friends, is that?
5: Yes. Okay. Well that's you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. There's. <laughs> i
0: the letter, and we're and we're okay with it. Now, well,
5: actually, we were we were all into this sort of thing before, and you know, we talk about it, we make jokes about it, but uh, they hadn't had the chance to experience it in a, that well on such a scale. Great. So,
0: Fantastic. they are. Thank, Thank you, you very much. That's okay. Yeah, thank you. I sure. started thinking about all kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> so this is not your guys' first rodeo? This is not the first event you've been oh, to? No, oh, no. no. <laughs> What's, um, What do you guys look forward to? When you guys are looking for events <laughs> to come to?
1: <laughs> play. Yeah.
0: So can you determine what event you want to go to based on who's going to, you know, what the dungeon's going to be like, any of that yeah, kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, I, I, I do. I do. Uh... Uh, based the decision on, on what I have seen of events I have gone to before uh, and also, to based on the size of their play area, their dungeon equipment, uh, a lot of time who's going to be there, and just basically how far I can go because I'm a notorious edge player. So if, if I know that I can get away with some of the scenes <coughs> I really like, which some other, other venues will not allow it, okay. those will be my, my prime choice. Yeah,
0: sure. And do you, are you the victim of these scenes? Are you the person that bottoms for these scenes? Um, or, what what well, role do you play in this? quite
1: honestly, in the beginning, I was mostly the one that's doing it to him. But uh-huh. um, as our relationship has grown, I've been trying more things, being the receiving person. Um, it's one thing I like about the events. There's an opportunity to try, you know, your first, you know, like what first might happen, you know, this... This, at this event,
0: right, um,
1: and just exploring and seeing what other people are interested in, and you know whether that's something that makes me go, oh, that's really cool, or yeah, that's great that they're interested in, it, but
0: not so much for me. Sure, sure, great. So. Okay, thank you very much. Sure.
2: <laughs> Coming up next week. We interview authors and teachers Mark Michaels and Patricia Johnson on Tantra. Bye, Dan. Bye, doll.
1: Music heard on Erotic Awakening. Free by White Knight. Strawberry Jam by Jerry Bradley. And Wunda by 31 d one is provided from the Podshow Podsafe Network. More information can be found at music.podshow.com.